Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week I'm talking to Daniel Muggleton with uh, some input from my occasional producer and occasional guest, Bryce Halliday. Uh, things have been going pretty well. I've been trying to get three shows written for the Sydney Fringe, my solo show. It's called Alice Fraser Solves All Your Problems in Six Easy Steps. And then also I'm doing an aggressively helpful show and a tracksuits live show. So if you're in Sydney or have friends in Sydney, do send them along to that. Um, I've had some bad news and some good news this week. Uh, The bad news is that instead of shrinking, my mum's cancer is growing. So we have to find out how bad that news is. It's bad, but I'm not sure whether it's bad bad or pretty bad or (laughs) bad 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 those are the options and none of them are good options but some of them are worse than others I guess uh one of the doctors the doctors was saying because we need to have some scans and figure out if it's gone up into abdominal cavity the doctors were saying the options you know if it's sort of localized this tumor growth then uh it's one problem and if it's gone up into the abdominal cavity then we have to think about treating it about a more holistic approach now i don't know what that euphemism is i'm not sure if a holistic approach means uh she has to consider doing some yoga or whether it means uh think about how you'd like to die but surely the point of a euphemism is that people should be able like the point of euphemism is everyone knows what you're actually saying (laughs) so i uh I'm a little bit frustrated by that, not knowing this doctor speak. Um, but on the upside, I've got some cool emails from you, alicerfraser at gmail.com if you want to email me. I got this from a listener called Timothy. He said, Dear Alice, greetings, and if I might start with a qualification, I feel I know your open podcast self well. I'm new to podcasts and I have just deluged myself in your stream, which has been a joy and not weird at all. Um... Thanks, Timothy. That doesn't seem weird at all. Um, But I I don't know. Maybe it is weird deluging yourself in my stream. That sounds like a euphemism. Uh, But again, I don't know what it's for. Just generally euphemisms. Uh, I also got a text message from a fellow comedian, which thrilled me so much that I'll read it for you. Uh, And he's a guy who's about my level on the scene, and I've always thought he was very funny. He's made a few sort of national competitions, so he's on the up and up. And he said, I wanted to tell you that you made me realise a few things about myself as a performer. There were a couple of things I used to say in my set that were purely shock value, and they didn't add anything to anything positive to the room or to male-slash-female discourse. I've dropped them, and any time I catch myself saying something in that vein, which is always ad-lib, it hurts me. I take note of it, beat myself up a bit, and I make sure never to slip into that again. Through our conversations, watching you work, and a couple of things you've said to me about some of my old material, I feel like I've grown closer to expressing and exploring my true fascination and thoughts about gender and sex on stage. So thank you for helping me drop the clubby stuff and start opening up. It's made me more honest, more vulnerable, and as a result, funnier. I respect you a lot. I care about you and your opinion. So I wanted to let you know that I've been dropping that stuff and bringing out my more complex feelings about what a man is and my relationship with the boys in my life and the women I love you inspired me full stop just wanted to tell you so that sort of made my day 
because I worry sometimes. I mean, if you go back and listen to the episode that I did with my brother, um, I find I worry a little bit about that finger-wagging feminism, maybe, that when you talk about certain issues, you automatically trigger a reactive, negative kind of shut-down response just by virtue of using a hot word or a, entering a kind of territory that people feel defensive about they're not capable of listening to you so I feel really thrilled that I've changed someone's approach to comedy I hope I haven't ruined his career by doing that um the other thing I was thinking that I should do is ask you if you like the podcast enough to give it five stars maybe go on iTunes and do that if you're an iTunes listener or if you like it but not enough to give it five stars but you still quite like it uh then Tell someone you think would enjoy it about it and maybe they'll give it five stars. No, uh, they will listen and maybe send me an email or say something nice or say something horrible. I'm open to trolls as well, occasionally. I, I get. I, I was talking to someone the other day about why I don't uh, deal with comments. Like I don't read comments on my... If I do, I do some articles for the SBS and I just don't read the comments on that. And it's because... Like, I'll read criticism if someone sends it to me via email. Or even if they do it on Twitter, I'll read it at least. I might not respond to it. Because they've gone to some actual effort. If you're just sticking a comment on an article, half the comments indicate that the person hasn't read the article, they're just reacting to the headline. Uh, Or if they have read the article, they haven't read it well enough because either they're bringing up a point that I brought up or they're completely misinterpreting what I've said. So the lack of friction in comments means that you're just reading a lot of sort of angry, aggressive stuff that's not useful. So if you do want to criticise me, make some fucking effort. Uh, That's all for my intro. I will uh, leave you to listen to that now. See you next week. You're having tea with Alice. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> Surely that's my line. That's the <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, there's a couple of things, really. I mean, obviously I'm in the midst of some stressful stuff, which is yeah. interesting, maybe only to me. What I find interesting... Well, I, I, wanted, I, that's, I wanted to ask you, do you find that it's easier just to dive straight into all that stuff and try and explore it through your comedy as you seem to sometimes do or do, are there some things that you just go I just would like to not think about it for now well the thing is I'd like to not think about it but I can't not think about it hmm. or or if I do not think about it I can't do anything else hmm. so it's like um if I am not thinking about it, I'm basically wandering around with a glazed expression on my face and I can listen to audiobooks or podcasts, but I'm finding it incredibly difficult to write or be productive or do any kind of organisational or concentrated work. And the way the thing that I would compare it to is like it takes so it's it's like it takes so much energy not to think about it that you mm. have no energy left to think about anything else but equally it's impossible if you let yourself think about it to do work because then every five or ten seconds you get this graphic image or Mm. of of, you know what these this thing looks like or or a fear about death or 
like a sudden sense of sadness or, or loss or something. So you can either go with that and let yourself feel it, which means your flow is interrupted. Um, what do you mean by flow? Because I feel like there's a few different... Flow? Yeah. yeah. So you, you... If you... Okay, so when you're doing any kind of work, you need to be absorbed in the work. If I let myself think about this stuff with mum, then I am interrupted and basically okay, halted yeah. by these thoughts. On the contrary, if I suppress thinking about it and refuse to think about it, I go into this weird grey zone mm. of not being able to do anything like, yeah. other than walk around and vaguely stare at things. So the only way I can be productive is to kind of just not talk about it all the time, but just acknowledge it mm. and just kind of make it, you know, write an article that's about something that sparks off that or... Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Grief. That's what we're talking about. This is... Uh, I welcome guess, to Chipper Times. Welcome to Happy, Happy <laughs> Times. Daniel Muggleton. Hi. Uh, Daniel um, is a Sydney, Sydney sure. comedian and uh, runs a couple of rooms. Yeah. And he's made a disproportionately large impact on the scene in the time that he's been on it. That's true. I'm influential. Like Andy Warhol, but not weird to look at. You're pretty weird to look at. That's not true. Don't give the podcast listeners the wrong idea. Uh, imagine like a troll doll. <laughs> <laughs> um, with sort of some weird skin affliction. And a moustache. <laughs> and a moustache. And a moustache. Um, oh. That's a horrible... No, you can look Daniel Muggleton up on stage and you'll realise that he's a very beautiful man. Oh, she's so charming, isn't she? She knows how to woo a gal. Get her into a, the underground of a bar. This is where we are. We're in uh, the Unicorn Hotel on Oxford Street. We're They've under the Unicorn. Very nicely turned their music down for us, so I feel like we should acknowledge them in the podcast. Unicorn, best bar I've ever been to. Don't let let them pay us if you're going to be that positive. <laughs> Unicorn, decent bar. Decent bar that I haven't been people. to. Um, but yes, have you been thinking about anything that you would like to talk about, Muggleton? What, like, something deep? Because you were talking about grief, which I, you know, I'm far too shallow a human to really experience that spectrum of emotion. Um, that seems like a defensive thing to say. Absolutely. Uh, so you prefer to live life on the shallow side? Absolutely. Why, why else do we be funny around people, right? Oh, it just got deep. That was crazy. Um, it's true, though. How sweet is humour for, like, keeping things really shallow? It's, I find I can't talk about really serious things with humour, but I kind of package them. I like, I'll do a bit of humour before, a bit of humour afterwards. Yeah. But if it's something that's actually very sad, I find it hard to make light of it in a way that doesn't come across as obviously artificial. Sure. So it's like, you can't find me out of a cannon. I quit out of a cannon. I'm so alone. And then another one of your jokes that I don't remember. It's more like... The package I mean, deal. That is the package deal where I say, yeah. you can't find me out of a cannon, I quit out of a cannon, and then I do the domestic violence joke. Right. Having seen your show as many times as I did, I should probably be more <laughs> aware of these things. Um, I was too busy laughing uh, to analyse. Huh? Yeah. Well, now who's the charmer? those messages home uh, behind, your, behind your brain. I don't know. It's, inter- it's an interesting one. I feel mm. like if you are obviously using humour to pad out something, it can be sort of tense for the audience. Like, I found that when I... I mean, this is a 
top, topical example, but Robin Williams. When I watched Robin Williams doing stand-up, I would tighten up. Not that he wasn't funny or that I wasn't laughing hysterically, but it it made me tense because it was so obviously a li- little bit desperate. There was some kind of mania Oh, okay, to it. sorry. I thought you were just like saying that because like now he's dead. I am and you saying were, that. You were just like, because oh. Because now he's dead. Like, no, I was in, like watching you knowing that he's dead. It's like, oh, look at this man getting laughs and now he's dead. No, it's no, just no. It's awkward. more like if you look at the end of his show at the Met, yeah. he comes out after it and he has that brief moment of sincerity where he kind of is playing the father and the son and he reaches his arm up as the son and walks off stage with his arm up in the air. Yeah. Um, and then he comes back on stage and says thank you to his audience and, and, and how astonished he is that he's at the Met yeah. with all these people and, like, this is incredible. And then he clicks into, like, improv, like, starts playing with stuff on the stage and you just think it's, like, you don't need any... You don't need to prove anything now. Like, you don't need to be funny in this moment. This is you just taking your applause. You, it's, it's not exactly an encore. It's just a... But he goes into this sort of wild improv and makes a few more jokes before he leaves the stage, and I found I found that really sad. Yeah, I I don't know. I I don't have. Not that I, he's I not find, brilliant. I find the sincere thing after a show really awkward. Because mm. like you're not, you know, you can present as true a version of yourself as you like as a comedian. Obviously, like that's kind of up to you. Be a character. Be very very close to you. Be exactly you if you're like Patrice O'Neill or someone. Yeah. But like. Yeah, I, I really do find it awkward when a comedian will then come up afterwards and just be like, you know, drop the, all right, guys, thanks so much for coming. Like, you know, yeah, it's been really great. I've been awesome. See you later. And then they come out and they're like, but but seriously, thank you so much for coming. That's that's really nice. Like, it just I, it's weird. It's like, ugh. I agree with that. But he it was like, either don't come on stage after you've had your moment or do yeah. come on stage, but don't. It's like coming on stage... And then, yeah, just sort of revving up again. I found that, I found that weird. I mean, I, I stand outside my shows and I shake people's hands as they leave. But then you're off the stage. But I'm off the which stage. Is different. It is different, and, and it's, it's also so partly better. a way of deflecting post-show conversations. Ah, uh, cheeky. A little bit, just yeah. because it limits the amount of time. And then if somebody really wants to talk, they can hang around afterwards. But it. Yeah. Do you get the big post-show come down? I get the huge one. I get the biggest, like, for, for like, a festival show when you're there for longer. Mm. Just, like, for, like, an hour after that show, I'm, like, hi. I'm, like, yes, this is, everything's amazing. And then you get, like, that calm down where it's, like, oh, no. How will I ever feel happiness again? There's no one here to validate me. I don't feel... I feel tired. Really? Like, I feel like I use a lot of energy being on stage. I feel kind of drained after yeah. a show, immediately after a show. Yeah. And, and a little bit sensitive, a bit delicate. Okay. I just want people to be nice to me. Yeah, um, hug you. I remember this. Yeah, I want people to hug me after yeah. the show. Hug Alice after her shows. Yeah. Even if you've never met her in person before, <laughs> just go straight in, give her a big hug no, and say it's okay. It's not your fault. Read basic body language signals. Maybe if you're the kind of person who um, I don't want to hug, don't take Dan's advice. <laughs> You, I love it when there's a when I'm performing at a place that has some kind of green room that mm. I can go into straight after the show just for five minutes because mm. mm. I feel like I need that five minutes to go to do exactly what you're saying and kind of go, whew, yeah. and then sort of come back into my body a bit and then kind of come back and say hello. It's always a little bit dazzling, and I'm always a bit <laughs> conscious of other comedians for the same reason. 
like straight after you've done an hour of show and then you're just immediately standing yeah, in, in, just the, chatting. In, in the thick of people and chatting and it's always a little bit and yeah. your parents little... friends are being like you were so brave yeah, up yeah, and there like, thank and you're like you. don't say thank I was you. brave I'm, I like um, this um, yeah. I That's feel um, I always feel like I don't want to keep people waiting around after the show if mm. they want to talk to me I want to be available immediately because I you know you don't want to just have they might have another show to get to you've already taken an hour of their time I, yeah, I, don't, I know that feeling of going stolen oh, an hour of yeah. their time. Yeah, <laughs> never get at that the same back. time you do kind of want a, a minute to hmm. just. Get it doesn't, your have, head it doesn't back have to be long. I think it's just it's so nice having a space. I go, oh, I, I can. I know that after the show, I can go back to this little dark mm. room <laughs> and have one minute, <laughs> a minute of silence for the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, it's just well. a, like a. That is to look over it, pretend you're smoking a cigarette. <laughs> that was. <laughs> Disappointed. <laughs> I usually mm. just want to swear loudly four or five times. Really? It doesn't matter what the swear word is, but just sort of a shaking out of like, poof, there's kind of that. Because mm. the, the, when you're holding up a show, you're kind of, you're balancing, it's, you're on a kind of a thing, you're riding this wave, it's like a paddleboarding experience. You're constantly working some sort of core stability muscle of just... Mm. Energy or tension or something okay, hippie the, sounding. For the listeners, Alice is moving her hands a lot while she's saying all these things, but not really gesturing anything. <laughs> I'm gesturing uh, paddleboard core stability. Or like a um, really big block of jelly. Imagine both hands about half a foot above the table, yeah. uh, alternately palm up and palm down, wobbling. Uh, wobbling? Wobbling. That's wobbling. Left, is right, left, wobbling? right, left, right. Bobbling? Bobbling. Bobbling? Okay. Moving up and down, slightly. So, if you are doing that with your hands now, I appreciate that. I had a really cool moment a couple of months ago and it stuck in my head of watching somebody try to feed a baby on a train carriage. <laughs> and the sure. baby was a bit reluctant to eat out of this spoon that the, the mum was like, <laughs> and the mum was like making, oh, oh, sort of bird mouth gestures towards the baby to try and get the baby to start eating. And it was mesmerising to watch this. And then I looked up and looked at everyone else in the carriage and there would have been about six of us. And everyone was looking at the baby also, like, making (laughs) (laughs) baby om-om mouth movements. And it was just this sort of sympathetic movement. And I find that if somebody's describing something on a podcast or Hmm. I'll find myself, like, trying to mime that gesture or being trying to be part of that physically. (laughs) And the baby flew away. Yeah. (laughs) But I love that. That was a very cool moment. Yeah. Were you making the mouth shape as well? Yeah. Or were you just a keen observer? I'm such a... um, A fly on the wall. I'm such a suggestible person in many ways. You are. So So, a grief. Grief. (laughs) You, what, do you want to talk about something serious or do you want to keep being finger guns man? Always finger guns man. Okay. It's a really easy way to stay shallow. Mm Mm-hmm. Why is staying shallow so important to you? Because I'm quite sleepy. And like, if we get in, if we get into a serious topic, we have to go. Alice and I have a amazing gig tonight at a uh, terrible. You think dip you out of into. I thought you meant you're quite sleepy as on, a, on a kind of a universal personal. No, like, as, a, as a person, I love that you went meta sleepy. sleepy. But you mean Just right like at this physically moment, sleepy, yeah. you don't want to dip down your energy no, in no. case you can't bring it back up. No, not even that. I just don't like a deep thing means I have to like explore it and I like want to keep talking, but like we do have to leave like pretty soon. So 
why why would I why would I go deep shallow when I can stay shallow shallow? Because that's not. And then dive deep into the pool the another time. Because the podcast listeners will think you're a fuckhead. <laughs> what I can deal with another seven people hating me like that's cool. <laughs> we have heaps more than seven listeners. Thirteen. We have like hundreds. Actually. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Which is really cool. So uh, yeah, hundreds are still pretty normal for me like hating me at any one point <laughs> hundreds of people just maybe if you don't want to go personal grief you think what your attitude to grief is then Wait, can I, can I, do, can I say one you? thing no it's not my attitude to grief I did think of something that really irritated me about the Robin Williams thing sorry okay. well, let's yes. talk Robin Williams let's why not let's do that um, yeah just really really annoyed me the Robin Williams thing was like not you know the people making jokes and then everyone else being like how could you make jokes and like who cares and like not the people who are like ah I loved him so much. It's like, yeah, I've never heard you mention him in like 15 years of friendship. Like, clearly, you didn't love him that much. But like, the people who took his death as the time to follow him on Twitter <laughs> and then like his Facebook page. Yeah, that's odd. Like, it's just like. I think the more. There's um, going to be no updates, guys. Like, we're clear on that. Like, zero updates from here on out. Like. The more dis- the more disturbing thing about that for me is the like just as a general point the weird kind of hollow shell of social media presence <laughs> and personality that's left in the wake of someone's death. Yeah. We had a family friend die recently, and then you know people. I, there's an old friend of mine. I used to play theatre sports uh, with him, and he died. And people still put up posts on his Facebook page yeah, to say really that creepy, they miss him as as though he was capable of reading his own Facebook page post-mortem. Like, that's the kind yeah. of... The conceit is that he can hear you. But isn't yeah. it for his friends? It, well, because you're seeing it, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. So, but why... I mean, if it's... It is clearly directed towards the friends. Yeah. But it's not explicitly directed towards the friends. It's usually, hey, man, I really miss you. Yeah, but then yeah. it just shows up. And it's, so mm. it's this weird display of an intensely personal moment of grief where mm. you're in your day and you think, mm. oh, God, I miss him. Mm. And you just would normally sort of just feel a bit sad and keep that to yourself. But now there's this thing where you put it out there for other people to see. I don't I don't know what that is. Obviously, I haven't seen that thing, but I, I almost kind of liked that. Do you reason. like that? Yeah. Do you like it? No, I hate it. I don't, I don't know that I don't know the comment. It could Because it, you can either... I don't know, it's that funny thing with social media where it, it, it does allow a whole lot more... Um, it's so much easier for someone to just have a, a thought and then put it straight out there and there can be... Sometimes you get something really beautiful and vulnerable happens, but then there is sure. so much of just kind of like, oh, my God, I really didn't want to read that or see that. I, d- yeah. I, don't, I, it's not, I don't care to know. It's not that I don't think it's... It's that I find it disturbing mm. because it is a kind of a... Just not knowing how to deal with mm. death well but no like sorry you that's deal silently <laughs> yeah no, I don't know that you should I just think it's a weird thing to use the personal immediate direct address to somebody who's been dead for five years mm. yeah no I, I don't know I don't I think like saying that it's you know a dealing with death thing it's like how people deal with death that's their business kind of thing like I I'd feel very weird if I ever prescribed like do's and don'ts of death. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, that's a book that no, no one's going to buy. No, I'm not saying that they shouldn't. I'm saying I find it disturbing. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's cool. Like, yeah, but just like the thing that I hate is like, it's kind of like, it's like the thing like they can hear you. Like, I, I like that you were talking about like they can hear you because like it's, it's like what is, what is Facebook now? Just this really kind of no-nonsense would you board? Like, 
come on, like, what are you doing? Like, they, they can't hear you. They're gone. Like, and, and well, see, the other thing is, like, it is maybe that's a part of, huh, no nonsense, Ouija board's funny. Um, <laughs> but it, thanks, for, thanks for not laughing when I said it. Uh, it's not what this podcast is about. Oh, <laughs> okay. You valorise your uh, finger guns, Dan Muggleton. There have been um, no finger guns <laughs> at any point throughout this conversation. Figurative finger Seven guns. people. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the um, God thing, maybe. Like The God thing? We just want to talk to somebody who isn't there, maybe. <laughs> like, that's it. Sorry, you, that was a great time to laugh. You do want to talk uh, to someone who isn't there. Do you? Yeah. I've never... I want to talk to people who are there. I love that. Yeah, but they don't want to talk to you. Uh, could have, you know, sat silently in the corner, got called up, got drafted, number one draft pick for this podcast. I'm just this guy. being mean to you as a way of boosting my social status. Yeah, please continue. You can post it on my Facebook after I'm dead. No, it's not. Just it's, be like, hey, Dan, I'm just trying to break you. Very you funny. I'm and just trying to break you out of your, your model of, of performance. Performance? Why? Why here? Why in Paddington where I already feel so out of place? <laughs> Do you feel out of place in oh, Paddington? I fucking hate it here, man. <laughs> I was here, I was here last night going to drink with a friend. It just makes me feel really uncomfortable. Like, just the number, the sheer number of white people. Like, I just hate <laughs> it. I'm like, why? And, like, they're all just kind of when pristinely When you say white attired. people, you clearly don't mean people who are Caucasian. You mean a brand of people. Yeah. Yeah. What like what your, what characterizes a white person? Your shopping your... bag carrying like shiny card person. I did I did quite like passing several. I think they were hairdressers, but it was just like that series of about five stores all next to each other that had a single person in it, and they were all almost completely white. And it's like this store sells nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it sells nothing. How is it here? Yeah. So stores. There are like, three things yeah. in this store. So I hate this. When you say white people, <laughs> um, what you mean is overprivileged people. Um, but no, like, most of them are white, also. Like, we, we, we can, <laughs> like, I'm not saying it's like, it's this, it's this ethnic smorgasbord of, like, privileged people. Like, no, it's, it's mainly privileged white people. Yeah, but also, whiteness isn't, <laughs> I mean, whiteness is a form of privilege, but you are yourself saying, I hate white people, as somebody who is not particularly coffee-coloured. That's true. I'm totally white, but am I not allowed to hate white people? Uh, like just but yeah sorry different like they're different white people okay <laughs> like, so you're, uh, are you a white people in your characterization? I don't know I think maybe, maybe if I was completely honest with myself yeah but like ah uh, so you hate them for what you see and don't yeah, like in yourself yeah just like all my middle class bullshit like they, if they you just, met they yourself, just wear it better if you met yourself yeah you would hate yourself yeah that's actually the thing anyone anytime any of my friends are like Dan you really like this person they're just like you I inevitably you hate go, them Ugh. I'm just like fuck god <laughs> what stop highlighting bag. my flaws like, what a douchebag <laughs> like, try harder buddy this is a poor setup anyway, we've got to get going we've got to get moving alright I think that's enough to make a mini podcast that's, that's my first podcast bomb just bombed a podcast just dis- <laughs> do you mean destroyed or uh, Do you I mean you ruined the podcast? I don't mean like comedy bombers and I was just rubbish. I just mean... What you mean is you arrived in a podcast. Yeah, essentially. Well, like laid in. Have you got social media presence that you'd like people or things coming up that you'd like people to come along to? Um, yeah, just the uh, the fringe stuff will be out before the fringe. Yeah. Yeah, Daniel Muggleton, like Son of Parents. Uh, first hour show, it's going to be horrible. Get excited, guys. <laughs> I'm overtired, meta and physically. 
Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Sorry it's a little bit scattered today. I will see you next week. You're having tea with Alice. Hug Bryce Alice. Halliday and Daniel Muggleton. Don't hug me without my consent. Hug her. <laughs> she wants to let you in. <laughs>